Well, hello again, folks. We meet again. Episode 23. Man, it's hard to believe we've made it this far, and I really appreciate the support. If you haven't checked out any of the episodes prior to this, make sure you head over to Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Do me a favor and download them, share them with your friends. We're continuing to try to grow this thing and appreciate all the support. My guest today is the first multiple time guest on the show. He's become a good friend and really interesting guy. Uh, he challenges my way of thinking. I know he challenges your ways of thinking. And we had some dialogue that I think is extremely important as we head into a pivotal time of our lives. He's an author. He's an NFL agent. He's a 10th planet jujitsu purple belt. And he's outspoken, which I love. We don't always agree on everything, but that's why I love him. His name is Zach Moore. Enjoy the show. But before we enjoy it, I want to give a big shout out to Action, always a supporter of this podcast, and the best specialty coffee and natural supplements that you're going to try. If you're a coffee drinker, I tell you now, go to drinkaction.com, action with a K, and order some coffee. Maybe you want to try Rumble Time, which is a really awesome new blend with Anthony Rumble Johnson. It's a kind of hybrid roast between dark and medium. It's high in caffeine. It's super strong, super smooth. Or maybe you haven't tried coffee before or you, you kind of struggle with it. You might want to try Ambitious, which is like, it's actually the coffee that I started to drink um, to kick a, a really bad energy drink habit. In addition to coffee, natural supplements, things like turmeric, hemp, um, MCTs, all of the great things that our bodies crave and need to perform well, and that uh, I believe in a ton. So go to the website, drinkaction.com, action with a K, use code word curious for 15% off, and make sure you do it now. Enjoy the show, folks. I think we'll be all right. I think we got it rolling. Yeah, no. You know, you're uh, so what's this? This is like 20, 22 episodes in. You were the first multiple time guest on the show. How about that? Let's go, dog. We earned it. We earned it. We're talking crazy. We out here talking crazy, bro. Getting, getting, uh, but I mean, hey, man, we're, uh, we're looking into it. And I think that there's just a, um, as you said in the first episode I was on, uh, I think that just you and I are both looking at, um, the world as it is right now and um, seizing an opportunity and just trying to understand it because, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this to you. I've said it to Sam Tripoli on a podcast we did. It was just like the internet has caught up to the story that the legacy media has tried to tell us. And um, in catching up, like, it feels like everything's going crazy, but really like it's all about to fall into place. Like people people like us are out there like figuring out that, Oh my God, almost everything they say is a lie. Um, this summer has been no better example of that. I mean, Joe Biden putting out that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist um, in an ad. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that is galaxy brain opposite of what's going on type of scenarios that 
um, has opened the door to have these kinds of conversations and for people to be willing to listen because when the lies are so obvious and so egregious, um, it's no longer conspiracy theory. It's just like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, no, we had we we basically did a podcast last night talking about this. So, yeah, dude, we uh, were lit. We were ready to go. We were excited. No, but there's certainly a there's a problem. I mean, the debate was a it fucking shined a flashlight on that one pretty big, right? I mean, yeah. I was I was disappointed. You know what I mean? I just think no matter like who's right in the argument and I have my opinions, you have your opinions, we've got to get to a place where like everybody can have a conversation and I'll keep saying it like podcasts for me, this is, this is how we get information out there. This is how we pressure test our ideas. And, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of everything that's coming out at the moment because it's, it almost feels like, you have to instantly look at it through the lens of, is this the actual legit information leaking out or is this somebody pushing out the information, curating that information for me? And it's got people like chasing their tail and not under, they're, they're fucking confused, dude. A lot of people are confused right now. And I think a lot of people are confused. Um, you know, last, the, the debate was like, no matter, we talked about it, no matter who you want to win, no matter what happened, it's like, it, no one, no one did well. Trump just kept throwing Throwing, trying to throw bombs, interrupting, not letting Biden just go down a path of, I mean, to be like, uh, you know, to be as objective as I can, um, I mean, Joe Biden like lied like egregiously and Trump didn't just let him, let him keep going. Like, you know, we, you and I talked about it last night. He didn't have an answer for the Supreme Court. He said the Green New Deal was great, but he wasn't going to do the Green New Deal. You know, his, his vice president co-sponsored the bill. Uh, policing, he's not going to defund the police, but the police are a really big problem. And it's, there's systematic racism everywhere. And, um, you know, and then there's just really big whoppers. Like he said that Trump did nothing to help small business during covid um, one economic researcher put together that he like this PPP stuff may have saved 51 million jobs. Who knows? But just hearing that number, I was like, man, this thing could have been in, like this thing could have been even worse. Like just just hearing that made me recognize that if some of the things, some of the creative ways, the PPP was one of the ones that my family got one in their family business, and just the creative. Who knows what could have happened. Um, but like, and then you got Trump on the other hand, who just, just keeps interrupting, keeps like, I heard Ben Shapiro, I think he was just like, or maybe it was Clay Travis was saying like, it's just like he kept throwing punches when he didn't need to. And, um, you know, you couldn't even tell what was going on because the barrage was so, there was so much, you couldn't see what was going through what, you know, and it just, it was, it was a real, it, 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 it was a real embarrassment, uh, for the system. And one person, I think maybe it was Dave Rubin was just like, maybe people are finally going to realize we're doing things the wrong way. And that how do we get out of like, why are we doing these debates? Why do we do them this way? Why didn't, why, why aren't they going on Joe Rogan? Well, think, well, think about it, man. I mean, we've been, we've been a void of entertainment for the last six or seven months. Right. And mm -hmm. So it's just, it's made this that much more of a spectacle for everybody. I mean, dude, I, I log in Facebook and there's people that I follow that I'm, I'm not even, I'm like creeping on them. I bitch about people creeping on me, but I, I'm watching, 
But if I crack up because you, it's like you've now, you might as well just go burn all of your you know favorite NFL teams jerseys and stuff and just replace it with Democratic or Republican yeah. like apparel. It's literally they should start selling the shit at Dick's because it's that team oriented and tribal with people. I I log in and I, I'm like okay it's even to the to the trump stuff it's like i i mean i thought he did a horrible job that's a right. fucking debate man like you had opportunities and we talked about it last night that i just have to be honest you and i think here you know let me say with say this because i actually have a clip pulled up i don't know if i'm allowed to share it but there was a lot of out of context at a minimum from joe biden right the you didn't denounce white nationalists. I mean, I found a YouTube clip that literally is the full context. And he very clearly at the time in Charlottesville said, I, I denounce white nationalists and racists and they, they take words and they definitely trim it down and they turn it into a completely different statement. Now, regardless of all of that, I don't understand what the fuck Trump was doing by not like instantly cutting the legs out from underneath that, getting ahead of it and saying, yeah, like take, you know, that Joe Biden's going to come at you as a racist, you know, yeah. that's the, the plan against you. So are you leaning in and trying to continue the, the turmoil because you strategically think that that helps you? I, I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Maybe he has right, like- data that shows I'm not going to denounce it because it's going to be all over CNN after this debate. And I get an increase in my numbers because of that or he really truly is broken at some level and just can't not say it. i don't think he's a fucking racist i think he's a capitalist i think he's a populist i think donald trump is going to do whatever's going to suit him to win i read his book i've watched his whole life he's going to just do what he's got to do to win and so i i was confused by that but i'm going to play this clip really quick because i do think yeah. it's important like hear what he has to say regard like everything else aside this is what was said about racists that we're still for four years now saying he didn't say and to me it's more an egregious that we're creating problems when it's clear that it never needed to be created because he's it wasn't said so like let's focus our energy on all the other things that are really there let me play this really quick Excuse me. Are we going to take down? Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people. And I'm not talking about the neo Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You you had a lot of bad bad people in the other group, too. So I just, I share that totally just unbiased to lay context yeah. to what we're saying, because I, like I said early on, I was disappointed with both. And I, and I continue to be just with all of it, right? Like 
I personally believe there's a lot of things that we're being misled about. Um, but I, I wanted to play that. So, yeah. dude, it, it's that is super important because you know I think that's part of why it becomes so tribal and so team like because and you know I talk, you and I talked about this again last night is it's just like like I didn't vote for him in 2016. I was just, I had my own problems in 2016. I was dealing with, and I wasn't focused on politics and I wasn't, I wasn't following what was going on as closely. I was just like, you know what? It seems like something I don't want to be involved in. I've got nothing to add at this point. Um, You know, it was actually as I was getting off of Percocet. So I was like, I got way bigger fish to fry dog. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pay attention. It seemed super negative. I knew I didn't like Clinton. I knew, you know, this whole Trump thing. I didn't actually, I didn't know because I didn't realize that all of my instincts and all the things I've really understood since 2010, which is media bias and the things that we're watching play out right now. I mean, that clip, right? I I, I knew this stuff from 2010. So imagine being the person I am right now in 2010 before anybody, you know, percentage wise, before a lot of people understood kind of the game that was being played. I got red pilled by a few things. I think we talked about it last night. There was a documentary that basically illustrated how Obama was like kind of hand selected and then just kind of pushed into this seat of into this dark horse candidate that is, is really just a cool young guy and how they, how they marketed him and understanding marketing as we do when you see something like that. And then you see how SNL and you see, you just see how everything, you know, I can see Russia from my house and how they portrayed Palin and McCain. it's, It's easy to think after a while that there's a grand conspiracy, right? That like, yeah. And, and, and I do think, that there is a very small amount of people who have a strong amount of economic control. And, and the funny thing is, in a lot of cases, they're people who support the left. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? The, like, and that this is the thing we've talked about. The I mean, China, so, the China stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, I don't necessarily disagree that there's a big disproportionate amount of wealth in this country. And I, I, I don't believe in the principles of, just taking those people's money from them and distributing it amongst everybody else. But I do think that there's things that we can fix in this country that make it so that communities that have been struggling for decades and generations are able to overcome those problems that are rooted deeply in some form of legislature or culture or, or uh, probably 20, 30, 40, 50 other variables, right, that impact why a place and group of people are the way that they are. And that, again, doesn't, you can't pull that out until you start having detailed, long conversation and, and in being wrong sometimes. You have yeah. to throw out ideas that maybe aren't going to hold up to the test. But you, it's, I mean, Jesus, man, like, fourth grade, we were doing brainstorming sessions, right? In school, where you would sit with your groups and you would brainstorm on a, on a whiteboard or a chalkboard, all the different ideas. And then as a group, you decide which are the best. That, that was stuff that we were taught so early on. But the culture that we've created has made it so that we aren't allowed to do that anymore. And that's the problem. It's not that any of us are wrong because we're allowed that's- to be wrong. It's, you can't 
that any anybody being wrong is then ultimately weaponized by other people around you against you and people are afraid to lose things they're afraid to lose their jobs they're afraid to lose their friends their families we talked a lot about that last night you know what i mean like how contentious this is i mean there's people in my family that it's gotten ugly and it's all gotten ugly on Facebook, you know, and then it trickles over into family gatherings and people not speaking anymore. And it's, it's sad because we didn't agree about anything any more or less than before all this stuff happened. You just, you didn't have the ability to send an asshole remark or whatever through, you know, through Facebook. Well, I think you've hit on a lot there. Like, you know, I kept being like, while while you were talking, I'm like, bam, bam. Like, I just kept having ideas because it's just what you hit, you just hit on so much there in that. I think that one of the things is, is that like really contentious issues are being hit over our head. Like we got COVID for a few months and then we got hit with this BLM stuff. And a lot of people get caught up in the BLM because it's a really nice sounding thing. Like it's, you know, black lives matter. Of course they do. We've all agreed to that. Like the fact that we're still like, that's still like a, a, a point of debate. You're able to lobby back at someone like, but you don't think black lives matter. Like, what do you think? You think I don't, you don't think I don't like black people. You think we don't like black people. No, we understand. We understand you and I guys like us, we understand history. We understand that the communist party has been using this issue race a weakness that our country has a weakness that every country has i mean when you think of america you know maybe you think of a white person but when you think of america what an american is america an american can be anything a european when you think a european you're like oh that's a white guy when you think an african you're like oh that's a black guy when you think an asian uh, like china when you think of china who all these people who pretend to be so woke are doing a ton of business with and have have partnered with China, uh, the Communist Party in that country, because to do business in that country, you have to partner with the Chinese Communist Party. And then they come home and they lecture the same people that they've left jobless here at home. If you're a manufacturer, if you're manufacturing in China, you simultaneously, if you're Nike and Adidas, you simultaneously are using slave labor in China while lecturing the middle class that you left behind about how racist and all these things. And, and and all that stuff is so so we've got this crazy reality where these issues have been are being utilized to distract us from things to get us divided and this stems to the point that you and I discussed last night is there's becoming a realization a, a mass realization of something that I think you may have known intuitively and I've known for a while but I have it's not something you're ready to express publicly until kind of kind of the you know the tides turn toward it but i mean if you just look at what the media says and you the democratic party and i'm not talking about our friends that are democrats because i think that what's happening is their good intentions and their good hearts because the, some of the people that i see have great hearts they really mean well they're nice kind people but they're being taken advantage of by a party that basically uses the language that of of love and tolerance and compassion and doesn't believe in those things at all you've just expressed it we're not allowed to brainstorm on ideas anymore in the public square because brainstorming on ideas might get you canceled when joe rogan is on the on the block to be canceled who you and i know is one of the most open-minded 
um, plays devil's advocate on almost every topic that comes on his podcast. He's just playing with it. He's sparring with ideas the same way that you and I like to, the same way we're talking about it. And we want to see how deep we can go into this thought and figure out if maybe we found a solution at the other end. You can't do that in our culture. And, and as maybe the listeners that listened last time, I lost a publishing deal, a publishing deal, people, book burners, essentially, um, this, and Tim talked about it. Donald Trump Jr.'s talked about it. Um, Candace Owens had an issue with her publisher, um, because some, you know, Black Lives Matter chick is suddenly, you know, the CEO of, and all this summer is just basically like, if you stand against this movement, if you, if you talk out against what we're trying to accomplish, no matter how we try to accomplish it, you know, I'm watching the city, cities burn. I'm watching 10th Planet Long Beach get burned down. And I, I point out, I'm like, all these football writers are donating to a fund that is bailing out Antifa and BLM. These two groups are connected. Like, what are we doing? These same companies that want Colin Kaepernick to be able to kneel on the sideline and speak during the national anthem don't allow their own employees to like tweets. So what, what, what game, what, like, we're not, like, you won't even let, let your employee like a Ben Shapiro tweet, but you're telling me that Colin Kaepernick and the NFL should allow it. Not only should, should Colin Kaepernick do it, but the NFL should allow it and lose money. There shouldn't, be, there shouldn't be a reason to hide the true facts for people to and, – and I don't know, maybe Colin Kaepernick is completely ignorant to this. And if he's listening, Colin, if you're out there. It Go on a mushroom trip. It, it, well, just it, – I don't – his intentions aside, right? Let me go into right. this with the assumption that his intentions – really truly are to solve a problem that I, I believe exists. I do believe right. that we live in a world where people are discriminated against. The reasons for that, you can go into, there's a million rabbit holes. But assuming his intentions are good, it doesn't look good when you collect a seven-figure paycheck from an organization who's paying you with money that is generated with labor that literally contradicts what you're an advocate and why you're getting paid from them in the first place. It looks really bad. And it looks really bad when people don't want to admit that. And maybe it's because they feel like then he won't have a platform to share what they believe is a good idea. And I get, I, I get it, but let's find a better way for Colin Kaepernick to share a really good idea so that people who have a fucking bit of logic in their head can look at it and not instantly get put off by the contradiction that is a however many million dollar paycheck. I mean, it's, it's outrageous that people can't like piece that apart, like piece it apart and understand why it doesn't look good. And then understand like, why would Nike who knows where its money's coming from, pay him all of that money and then squash anytime a conversation comes up to at least just say, Hey, like, can we talk about maybe why that doesn't look good or what's the motive behind it? Yeah. What is LeBron James doing lecturing me on anything when he has a billion dollar lifetime deal from Nike? You know, part of the reason I've become so disenchanted with the NFL ecosystem. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I'm all in on 10th Planet Austin, you know, and, and, and the jiu-jitsu community. I just started 10P ATX chats where I get to talk to guys like you. You came on last week. I've got, uh, you know, guys who come by the gym, uh, professional athletes now and, and, our, and our teammates. 
I'm all in on that because we got like a real, we have real people around and the NFL, like I was, I'm still certified as an NFL agent. I'm going to let it lapse because it's like, I can't simultaneously be like Nike and Adidas are using slave labor, but I want to help my clients get a, uh, uh, a Nike and Adidas contract. Right. And so we're sitting in this position where we've got guys lecturing us who are literally, literally, literally benefiting off of slave labor. People are lecturing us on the 1619 project type of stuff, which the New York Times has now taken down quietly, has gotten rid of because it's such bunk history. And um, we're talking about things that happened hundreds of years ago. And, and you know, the anti-racist stuff, the anti, which this was what drove me nuts with Chris Wallace. He presented critical race theory. Like it wasn't, the, it, you and I have both been looking into it, James Lindsay, you know, we've been, we've been following those kinds of people and we know critical race theory is basically just like, Hey, you're white, you're an oppressor. That's just how it is. You're, you know, you've got, you've got some work to do because of the color of your skin because, and they're judging people by the colors of their skin. I mean, you don't know any of our paths. You don't, you're just judging on the color of their skin, which is horrible. It's a horrible thing to do. We grew up in a generation where we didn't do that. We, we know better than that. We don't look at black people and say, Oh, this person is this way because of, because of, you know, be, because of their skin, right? Like, it's just, and, but the issue that we're talking about right now, right? Like, when Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, I was hyped, because at the time, I was, I was trying to figure out a way to, to get some things going with Michael Wood, the guy who was on Joe Rogan quite a few years ago, talking about all of the issues, redlining, um, you know, the war on drugs, um, the various ways that black people can get caught up in the system, like through the war on drugs and through socioeconomic issues. Through a lot um, of the things that Joe Biden signed into law back in the 90s, but that's a whole nother conversation. 100%, 100%. And, and this is one of the really critical aspects of this conversation. We can't have a real conversation on race because then we're going to start pointing fingers at these motherfuckers. And that's kind of what I feel like the BLM thing this summer was as well, was a distraction from how bad everyone just fucked us with COVID. So it's like, hey, we're on to the next thing we're going to be outraged about and everyone's going to be, and we're just, and, and then that was kind of what I watched happen in football media was I was like, you guys, and this is why I spoke out, right? It's like, you guys were just telling me that all of my friends who own jujitsu gyms should just let it go out of business for however long they need to be closed until you feel safe to go back out again. 10th Planet Portland's head instructor is going to come out and train with us uh, and, and do a seminar on October uh, 18th. And he hasn't been allowed to open his gym, but people have been allowed to stand out in the street and burn the, burn the fucking city down, dude. And I'm cursing a lot right now, but you got, we're getting fired up. But like, it, it's, we're watching things that don't make sense and it's all it seems to be all a part of benefit to one single group and so when I was working with Michael Wood you know I'm very passionate about the issue of police brutality I'm very I'm on the side of that but we've watched the Black Lives Matter morph into something more something different something that's so far off base on actually finding solutions because People yelling defund the police don't really understand the communities that they're talking about. They don't understand the way that people want to be. Uh, I mean, the same people calling for a defunding of the police, the same people who have told us for the last 10 years they don't trust police are the same people who, uh, one, who want to get rid of the guns, and two, um, simultaneously uh, believe the Russia collusion story, right? So it's like, it's like, what are we, you know? No. Now, Biden, so, and that's, that kind of caught me off guard. He, he went pretty hard in the paint 
like pro cop. You know, what I, mean? I, thought, I thought he was going to pull out his like fraternal order of police card and be like, yo, like I've got that little sheriff sticker on my license plate because he was like very, pr- and that's, that was kind of like my disappointment, like where I thought Trump was like, dropped the ball because yeah. Biden, by it, I mean, I took it as very disingenuous and I don't believe it for a second. I mean, I think Joe Biden is going to, my fear is that he's going to be beholden to that kind of radical ideology oh, he will. that scares me, right? No matter what he said. But I do have, I mean, in fairness, I got to give the guy credit that he said the right thing and there are going to be consequences to him from his own party because of that. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, where was that from Trump? I don't know that maybe he didn't want to take that criticism. Maybe it's telling of maybe his view of the election or the time or that he thinks it's going to give him a bump. But I was, I was like, I had to turn the TV back because I couldn't believe that Biden had said that. Yeah, I think you made a really good point about Trump, uh, about like just stirring up, like the stirring up controversy part of it. Like you just got to throw the haymaker of like, hey, at some point, at some point you should be like, hey, man, like you should, you might even want to go nuclear on someone when they call you a white supremacist. Like you might want to be like, you might even want to throw the first F-bomb in presidential debate history. I was, I was thinking about this and it's like, if I was Trump and who the fuck am I, right? but I would have taken one of those two minute blocks of time. And I would have said, let's get something straight right now. This country is in disarray. We've got a pandemic that was impacting us from China. We've got people who are at each other's throats, but at the end of the day, most of you are who are at home right now, listening to us want things to get better. And the crazy people on the right, you guys need to fucking quit. You crazy people on like he could have taken that moment and taken the wind out of all of it and just getting right to the point, right in that first two minutes. Like, don't even answer the first question because nobody I don't even remember what the six questions were. You know right. what I mean? I, I would have remembered him having a two minute soliloquy about I'm gonna fucking fix this for everybody because yeah i'm not happy what's happening out there with all of you my like be the businessman i'm yeah you you my employees you know that to me could have hit but i think i think that you're uh spot on with that because i think what people want out of him is just for one time to just be like it's not i can't say just for one time because i think he does this but we never see it i think there's like the various speeches he makes you had the whole stage to yourself with no one's going to stop you. And no, I, I do understand that no matter what, because you look at some of the, I think I sent you the thread last night of you look at some of the fact checking that CNN, Washington post. Oh, and all these people man, did. It made me sick watching the guy that came on at like literally right after the bait, he, he pops in and he's like just very condescending and smug. And yeah, I, it's just, I'm sure, that, that I'm sure they both lied. I heard, I heard shit that I was from both of them that I'm like, Okay, but that's a that's a debate. That's to me. That's the that's the whole f- setup of what a debate is, right? Right. Uh, Who are you going to quick yeah, little I mean, sound bites? It leads into grandiose statements that are kind of misrepresented. But this yeah. dude goes on there, and how many people look into what he's saying? It's like there's there's some like foreign idea in people's mind that because they write fact checker on his name yeah. on television. Yeah. 
as easily as on this podcast video, I'm going to put Zach, I'm going to put fact checker as your profession, just in case anybody yeah, sees it online. Dude. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm a fact checker. That's how easy it is though. And, and how many people just take this guy's, I don't what, where did he go to school? What is, what are his beliefs? What is, what does his Twitter feed look like and the things that he said to this point? I mean, is he biased? Is he truly biased? That's why people wanted someone like Rogan to do a podcast with the candidates because there's a catalog of 1500 episodes that you can go back and listen to and know that he's going to ask the right questions and that he is as close to, I think as close to down the middle as you could find, but it's who's, I don't, what was it? Like the one dude with the blue glasses. I'm like, how, who are you? And you're an ex, you're the fact checking expert. I mean, come on, dude. It's, um, I like the idea that two minutes, he had those two minutes, like a two minute to just be like, Hey, like, you know, just give that unifying two minute speech um, before you even got into everything else. And that would have just from a strategic standpoint, that puts Biden in a position that's, that's just hard to, hard to come back from because then Biden, he would have gotten Biden mad anyway. Biden would have said, you're a clown. Biden would have done the things he did. He would have lied. I mean, the biggest issue of the night, and this is what bothers me about, you know, because Trump, Trump, Trump said, sure, I'll, I'll denounce white supremacists. Like, he didn't, he didn't do it maybe in the terms that we wanted because we want him to just come out and throw that haymaker that's just like, that's like, no, you, it's undeniable. Like, we don't have to look at old tape. You know, maybe because on the point of, like, controversy, maybe, maybe some of the aspects of this is, is just knowing that that you're going to battle with Chris Wallace all night and you're going to kind of picture, make this, make the media look like the enemy again anyway. Because I mean, Chris Wallace asked him like seven straight questions on the climate and every single one of those came from like the left wing rhetoric and perspective. And I'm like, I care about the environment too, but I'm not going to go down the road of believing the, the science quote unquote of, of the same people who sold us the pandemic. Well, and what, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just, again, I'm going to just keep trying to be factual and down the middle on all of this stuff. Right. They asked him about global warming. And I think his response was that I believe that humans contribute to global warming, but I think a lot of things contribute to global warming. Right. And I think that there's a balance that let's be real. Like you can't just do everything to save the environment at the detriment of the economy and civilization on the other side, like in a perfect world, you'd be able to do that, but it's not a perfect world. And there's a balance to that. And I don't think everybody who's really hyped up on both sides understands that there's a balance. And I appreciate right. that line of like, even though it's just on the environment, I appreciate hearing that thought process that I'm considering all aspects where I feel like, the knee jerk reaction from the left is always we need to save the environment. So what are like the hundred things that we have to do to completely right. solve the problem and coming from the business world, maybe I kind of relate a little bit more to that approach that Trump has been taking, but you don't just go if you're trying to achieve something in the business world and instantly do the most extreme thing to change it. Right, you know, right. There, maybe there's times to be a change agent, but every single time, like you don't just go to the extreme. It's just, it seems very compulsive in an, in an approach. And the funny thing is there's a lot of rhetoric that Trump's compulsive. And I think his thoughts are compulsive, but I don't think his, his actions seem 
whether you agree with them or not, and you can disagree on things left and right, but they seem very strategic in nature, right? Dude, I, I think I want, you hit on a few things. One, coming from the business world, you actually have to get results. You actually have to get results that make sense. You actually have to achieve an objective. A lot of the people pushing the climate stuff aren't really objective achievers. They're, they're people who talk, they're politicians. Um, and I think that um, one big thing about Trump this year is, man, has he said a lot of things the way that I would say them, which is more than I could say for a lot of presidents and politicians throughout my life. Like what he said about what he said about that. Um, and, and I think that one of the fascinating parts about what you just said is that there, there's this one, this push of this is the solution. This is our solution. That's the same way they treated COVID. They took their, their models that they came to their conclusions that they wanted, right? Because there's various models that I'm sure also say that the, the stuff, you know, cl the climate's not getting as bad. We, we actually have heard these arguments, right? That maybe the earth warming by a couple degrees isn't as bad as we think. Maybe it's a natural process. I'm just throwing out the various arguments we hear, right? There's way, because I'm not a climate expert. And by the way, after COVID, I'm not sure I, 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 you know, the expert on this one little thing also isn't the expert on how we keep the economy open so people don't kill themselves. Because my girl is now working at a hospital in an internship and seeing the effects, uh, you know, she's a social worker, seeing the effects of this on people, see individual cases, more than one cases, uh, hearing about people who, um, you know, were addicts and had a job and their life was going in the right direction and all these things and now their life's not and you know you know my we, we've discussed it that's personal to me yeah. you know that kind of stuff is personal to me because i'm a very lucky and i'll use the word privileged individual to have had the tools to get out of the hole i was in but some people don't and now we've and, and now we've we're ripping apart communities. We're ripping, we're, we're just letting jujitsu schools go out of business. We're letting gyms go out of business. We're letting the places where we develop community churches aren't open. Think about that in America. Churches haven't been open for six months. And now the church is similar to a jujitsu school and it's the people around you become your community. You see them, even if it's just seeing them and sharing niceties and being, being kind for a minute, or two, that makes a difference in your day where you may feel all alone, you may live all alone, all these things, right? And so, but it all goes back to this central focal point that you and I discussed last night is that a lot of the stuff they say they're for, they're not really for. And that's a really important thing for people to understand is that like, you can't simultaneously destroy 40% of black businesses from March to May, and then in June get to play the I care about black people more than you do card. Like that, 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 card's, that card's out of your deck forever, but you haven't figured out it's out of your deck. But to some percentage of people, like guys like that understand, you know, that, that see, the, see what's been going on, they're like, like what? I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Just the same way I'm not going to listen to LeBron James when, he, when he's tweeting about this stuff. The same way I'm not going to listen to Colin Kaepernick in August when he tells me that the movement's about love when on March 30th he said it's time for retaliation. You know, so it's – the movement is never what they say it is. And that's a really important thing that I think 2020 people got to get out of this year because I think – 
if we can craft that message and, and talk to people we care about and we can say, listen, I know why you believe this and I love you and I appreciate why you believe this because you've been told a certain story that lines up with your good heart and why you believe these things. But that story is not real. That story is make believe. Think about it, Zach. Like when you're a, when you're a young kid, you have like the most pure heart, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I remember there was a, there was a kid that moved to our town and I just, we were at the Y my, I have three younger brothers and we were playing basketball and he moved there and he was the the funny thing. He said that he was 50 cents cousin. Okay. And um, he had moved here from Brooklyn to the small town in Pennsylvania. And a lot of people thought he was cool initially. And then they, I think everybody kind of saw through the facade. There was a part of me that just felt really bad about him and wanted my parents to like help him and think my brothers and I were like, can we like adopt him? Like all these things that I, I just, I wanted to do because I was young. I had a good heart, but I was really naive to like, well, we don't have the budget to like afford another child in this household or, you know, there's not a bedroom. There's, there's a cost to this. There's laws and legalities to this. There's all these things that, that suck, right? Because at the end of the day, the kid just needed a, a nice fucking house to care yeah. about, him, right? Yeah. But I didn't understand that. And it didn't make me a bad person to want it. But I'm sure I kicked and screamed and like was pissed off and didn't didn't want it. Right? You burned down the mad. house. Well, fuck. I mean, I'm <laughs> not, but but you get it, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And I I I'm not trying. I, I am trying a little bit, but I'm not trying to be a, a insensitive person about it. But I see a lot of that like childish behavior. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't like what I see, and so like we're not going to take it and. I, there's a part of me that loves the fact we live in a free country, like go and speak out. There's, there's so much of, of me, even if like with people I disagree with that I'm, I'm like, that's, that is American. Like that is really cool. But there's just this immaturity among so much of it. And I don't know where it came from. If it like, I, but it's there. Yeah, dude, I, um, I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, I joke that you burn the house down because I mean, that's what we're watching. Like, it's like, it's like, it's that scenario. And, you know, hold I mean, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So <laughs> we almost did burn the house down. There you go, dude. That's why you my, really, burned we that, left, we left down. candles. We left candles on the mantle. I, my brothers left candles on the mantle. Left candles. I, and my I know dad, what message you were sending. My dad was upstairs on a computer in a room and the mantle caught on fire and they put it out and my mom was out of town for a couple of days i think it was like christmas shopping and they sanded it down and painted the mantle before my mom got back and didn't tell her about she just recently moved to la with my two younger brothers and sold the <laughs> home and uh, the story got brought up like amongst the family my parents are separated but now they're on speaking terms um, yeah thankfully and so like we all got together and we're just dying laughing about this. Like my dad was like in on the scheme to 
make sure my mom didn't find out that we almost burnt the fucking house down. But. Oh, that's an argument you don't want to have as a, as a, as a man. <laughs> Cause that, that, that leads, uh, it's, it, it leads to an argument is what I say. What I mean, it's like, what you, you stupid idiot, you know, but like, but to this point, right? Like we're joking about it, but Joe Biden really acted like Antifa wasn't real this week. Like he really acted like it was just an idea, not an ideology movement or organization. When, I mean, I talk, we, we, we give uh, first responders in town free training at 10 Planet, talking to one of them, there really are paid protesters. The people with the microphones, the megaphones, the ones that probably have the Twitter following and get people out there, they get paid. Um, people are flying all over the country. At one, one weekend when I was in Michigan, um, was the weekend that Antifa tried to take over downtown. And, you know, it's Texas. This isn't Portland. So it didn't work. Uh, it didn't go well for them. But they were, they were actually moving resources. So you're like, you're looking at Antifa. Doesn't exactly look like a bunch of people who have a lot of money to spend on this kind of activity. Um, just judging off of the, the mug shots. Um, you know, the empty stairs and the, uh, and the crazy haircuts. Um, but so I don't, I don't think that they're a movement that has the kind of money to do this. So what's funding it? Who's funding it? How is it organized? But the reality is about a lot of this is they have to pretend they're not that, 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 that BL, like where, all, first off, where did all the money from all the BLM, you know, donations go to, where is all that money gone for that? Where is all the bail, where have all the bail funds gone? How, where have, I mean, how can like, are there ways, I don't know, are there ways that public individuals can go find, like, is there, um, I'm right trying to, to figure knows, that out, like right to nose on any of this stuff, like whether it be the Clinton foundation or where the money for black lives matter goes or, or any right or left. I mean, is that because money drives all of it on either side, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. that's a great well, what, point, man. What we're watching play out is a coup. We watched it play out with the Russia stuff. You know, the Russia stuff was the first stage of the coup, and it was a silent coup that no one really knew was going on. Because, and part of what we're watching play out as well is that we're this is a mass extinction event for the media and potentially the Democratic Party as well if enough if enough people are awake to it. Because I think Matt Taibbi said that you know the Mueller report is an extinction level event for the media because the Mueller report illustrated to everybody that this was like everything we were told for three years wasn't real. Like the Russiagate stuff wasn't real. That stopped, that failed in uh, January or February. All the impeachment stuff failed. And then we moved on to this thing. And it's just like, I mean, we're now watching a kind of a corporate funded coup in the streets. I mean, think of, and we talked about it, think of all of the multinational, and I talk about the woke six, which is the Democratic Party, Hollywood, academia, legacy media, multinational corporations that include Silicon Valley, the NBA, and increasingly so other sports leagues as well, because they're trying to get into the Chinese market as well. So I've talked about this off air with some, you know, podcasts I've gone on. And one of the things that we kind of agree on is that when you go into China, I think they have a conversation, which is you're not going to talk about anything over here, but you keep pushing. It's obvious, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, that part's obvious. But I think they also say, yeah, you keep pushing the stuff that you, you believe at home, you, all of that stuff, because we're watching, you know, after that first weekend of rioting, looting, burning, arson, um, we watched all the multinational corporations that simultaneously were silent about COVID and about, you know, all of the human rights abuses there. 
suddenly throw their lot in with BLM and throw their money behind it and provide all of this free marketing. And as we know, Citizens United allowed people to donate directly to political candidates. So why do we, why do we not connect the dots that they're also donating to a political movement? And Joe Biden's campaign donated to bailing rioters and looters out of jail. So he also has to continue that lie that Antifa isn't this big or isn't this organization that's, even if it's not an organization, I mean, I'm not even going to go there because they have, you know, New York City Antifa. It's, it's has way been. more of an organization than the Proud Boys, which, I mean, if people yeah. wanted to look, yeah. and that's, that's what bothers me, right? Thank you. Because, Thank you. Uh, and again, objective, right? If you're showing up in a town with your fucking AK across your chest and, yeah. and, you're, in your, and you're in your military garb, shame on you right now, right? Like, I understand the principles of it. And I, I, I don't want to come across because I, dude, I'm I'm very American. I, I don't like what I'm seeing, but like that's not helping things either. And so, I, I forget where were we even going with this. I well, well, you just on that point of of the military garb and and but like that also can bring in like the oh, Kyle Rittenhouse yeah, scenario so, though too. That's like that's like there's there's a there's definitely also a difference between the Proud Boys. And yes. someone like Kyle Rittenhouse, who's out there with doing this, do, with the gun, trying to protect businesses. Because here's what's happened too: the the using of the Kyle Rittenhouse to push a narrative yep. is is really wild. Because it, and I said this all summer, it felt like they were waiting for a Kent State moment, and Kyle Rittenhouse gave them a Kent State moment because all of these Democrat governors and mayors kept pulling back police, kept not sending in National Guard. And it was only a matter of time before a Kyle Rittenhouse scenario happened, right? It's only a matter of time before some kid with a gun is protecting a business because he's watched how things play out. He's scared because he's seen plenty of videos of people attacking bystanders. Why, why George Floyd when George Floyd happened, right? It's, it's the same thing. There's a lot of people out there, you know. Hold that thought. Let me go to the bathroom real quick. Hold that thought. Yeah, Hold that thought. Good. Before we were so rudely interrupted by our bladders, uh, <laughs> you were talking about why George Floyd and um, at that moment, why George Floyd? Yeah, no, I mean, right now the narrative is that this happens all the time. And right. it, it does. I think it happens all the time to a lot of different types of people. Mm -hmm. We've seen it. I also think that it's, you're seeing, you know, 15 or 20 videos in reality. There's hundreds of thousands of interactions weekly. So you're, you're like not really 50, getting 50 million a year, maybe. Yeah. You're not like, getting it's like a crazy a, number. Yeah. You don't get a fair understanding. So, and every one of them is wrong, but the timing, right? The media, picked it up and pushed it mm -hmm. at the right time. And I think that to your point is waiting for something to happen at the right time. And it gets to what I, I was going to say last night, you know, I see the sloth of people in this country who for the most part, were all similar at the end of the day in our belief, maybe socially we have different understandings of what we would like to have happen, but not that it's going to interrupt our abilities to communicate, no. No. but the media is carrying the water for mm -hmm. these small fringe groups, whether yep. it be very right wing racist, you know, uh, alt-right 
horrible groups that want a message to get out there that take something that Trump says or something that happens and uses that to help propagate that. And because we've divided ourselves, they get the large majority of people who don't really believe in that to defend it. And then it all seems like right. it's one, right? So now then Kyle Rittenhouse becomes an alt-right racist, you know, militia member. And, you know, your friend who's very pro maybe globalism gets labeled as an Antifa thug when in fact he's fine living in a capitalist world, but just wants progress. Right. And the media is carrying that water. And I just wish that they would understand there's a level of responsibility that goes into not trying to continue to divide, but that goes into how do we get this big group of people who we know have commonality? How do we get them to share the ideas that if I truly believe that this is the right way, then we need to spread it in a positive way. What good, even if you're right, are you doing if you're alienating 50% of the population? Either way, it, it, it makes no sense. And there's a, there's a lack of understanding or realization from these large corporations. And I think it just goes down to money. There's no money to be made being a unifier. There's yeah, money being, to be made being divisive. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, I think that you hit on the really big important piece of this. The really big important point is that the KGB discussed that they're going to put people in places in in, in academia, yeah. and what we've watched is over the course of fifty years, it's gone from maybe you know an even amount of conservatives to liberals, right? And I, conservative to liberal are outdated. Uh, ideas because I, I try to tell people stop calling them liberals because they're not liberal. If someone doesn't want you to be allowed to speak, that's not on liberal. that's not liberal. Like if if you want me to lose my if you're if you're messaging me because I, I disagree with you that I should lose my job. I had someone, dude. I had I I disagreed with someone in sports media and he's like, I hope you're not allowed to be around your girlfriend's kids. I mean, like, these are the kinds of people, these are the kinds of things they say because you disagree with them. And because, frankly, he's wrong, too, right? Like, he's factually wrong. And he said, people will say things like that. And, like, you know, their followers will be like, um, I hope you're eating out of a garbage can next week. It's like, these aren't liberal people. Like, they, they, so we got to figure out how to switch the language, right? But it's gone from, like, you know, Two per, two Democrats to every one Republican, essentially that kind of at least that kind of division, to like forty eight to one, and the media and what happens is now you've you've created an entire generation and, and we've talked about um, people that do well in school now remember what they're told they do what they're told they can remember it for the tests they are, are good workers they're good worker bees and what ends up happening through the high through you know they get good grades in high school they go to the good colleges then they get in the good institutions you know they follow that game they play that game that they're that they've decided to be a part of that that fits them and that that suits them and then now they're now as we're seeing play out at certain organizations i mean the new york times uh, getting an editor fired because he published a tom cotton op-ed that uh, got him to resign the the tom cotton Cotton op-ed was like, yo, we need to send the National Guard. And this isn't an insane position. It's just we need to show strength. It's exactly what happened after the L.A. riots six days after. And here we are, Portland, 
called in the National Guard for a couple days and just said, no, just it, Trump's making it worse. And then they kept going and now allowing it to continue, you know, the way it's been going. And so, but those kids then become adults and they have these bad ideas about, about speech that they've learned in school. You know, they may have gone to Harvard and learned that, you know what, free speech isn't all that good when people disagree with me. And then they move on and then they propagate those ideas out into the real world. And people thought it was only going to stay on the college campus, you know, when they heard guys like the Weinstein brothers and um, James Lindsay and, um, and Jordan Peterson come on Rogan, but it's, it's out there now. It's out in the world. And this is something that I was thinking about. Do you remember when um, Brad and Angelina adopted like we're adopting a bunch of children and I think they adopted some kids from Haiti. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a different country, but there was a lot of like, or at least it sounded like, right. Again, small minority of people, but you know, conservatives or right wing thought that that's just why, why are you doing that? They would take a lot of criticism from maybe far right. And now we have a Supreme court justice that's, in the process of being nominated and that same argument that the f- people on the left were defending and, and, and I believe rightly so at that time, like that's awesome that Brad and Angie went out there and, and, and anybody that had a problem with that at the time, they're on the wrong side of history, but it's, it goes to show just how fluid things are that that's now the ammo against this woman I, I mean, dude, I was reading some, I was in tears laughing at some of this stuff that I'm like, how, oh are, you a, how are you a credible person? It was like the moment this lady was named, and I get it. I, I get the frustration. I don't know. Like, I'm sure I'd be frustrated or pissed off. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Maybe if it was the other way around, but I was having a hard time getting my head around like the, we're in an the election Supreme now. Court stuff. Yeah. yeah. Supreme Court we're stuff. in yeah, an election you, now. Yeah. It, we should leave it up to the people. I don't think that anybody killed Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, it just kind of happened, unfortunately, during a really shitty time. And there was an election and people are elected for four years. And I, I, I don't, I, I guess I get, I'm, conf, I'm confused. Well, the Clintons, we, at least we know the Clintons didn't kill Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She just went off on her own. Uh, but <laughs> you got me thinking about the Clintons when you're talking about Haiti. But anyway, um, the, uh, I mean, it's just gotten to be, though, that no matter, and it, it's gotten so obvious, and this is what I appreciate about Trump, and it's kind of this next book, my friend Oliver Bateman and I are, you know, it's the same topics we discuss about quite a bit. And Oliver and I are trying to put it into book form, which is just like, there's something fascinating about the way that Trump has kind of exposed the media for what it is. As you said last night, like Trump is, you know, he's everything they hate about Trump. They, they, they find in themselves, right? All this, the, the, the arrogance, the lying, the uh, being abrasive, like all these kind of things, the people on the far left are illustrating in response to him, right? And it's just like, like Ibram Kendi or whatever, he's like the, the professor of anti-racism at Boston University. Jack 
Dorsey gave this man $10 million or something like that for his anti-racism teachings. And we got to put anti-racism in quotes because this man said that he, he saw the picture of a Amy Coney Barrett and he said, um, a lot of white people will, will um, adopt black kids to make themselves feel better about themselves. And it's just like, you're allowed to just make those kind of statements from a position of power. From, I mean, you have a, you're in a position of power now. You have gotten $10 million from the person who is the CEO of the public square for ideas, essentially. And this is part of what we were talking about last night that I really don't, uh, we actually talked when we first talked about the episode, is that the left uses the Constitution as a mean, and it's great listening to Tim Kennedy, right? And that this, this is what got into my head is that, Tim loves the Constitution. Tim's all about it. He's got the pocket Constitution. He's sending you one. And, and it's such a beautiful and phenomenal document. And there's the basically similar to the Ten Commandments, there are these amendments, right, that basically speak to our higher being, our higher selves, just basic terms of engagement with the government. It's basically the Ten Commandments for the government, in a sense, right? It's like, thou shall not uh, infringe on free speech. Thou shalt not infringe on my motherfucking guns, dog. You can't put me in. You well, can't put me in jail. It's it's back to that conversation that I had to have with my parents about moving this kid in, who just came in from Brooklyn. That my parents were like, no, like only our family at the dinner. You know, what I mean? just like all these things that it wasn't because they didn't care about what I cared about, but they understood at a much higher level the implications of what doing that good was going to do to our family or to our circumstances. Yeah, whatever, right. whatever the circumstances were, yeah. Yep. And, and, and there's this, like, when you look at Twitter, right, the same people, I mean, they now, the people who are defending Twitter and these social media companies being able to shadow ban and silence whoever they want, because it's, it's going their way right now because it's, they're silencing all the right people. Everyone should have been up in arms when Alex Jones got kicked off social it media. Sets a, it sets a precedent for that behavior to happen. And I, I continue to not understand why there's a lack of realization of the slippery slope that gets opened up because of that. Yeah, and it's it's it seems to be a complete and it's it's it seems to be on purpose because it's not like you haven't read like it's not like you don't know what 1984, like you don't you know what 1984 even if you didn't read it you know what the book means the book means that there's this slow creep there's this you know and there there's also all the historical things like you know first they came for them and I was silent first they came for this person and I was silent then they came for me. And the people who are pretending to be woke in the public square don't realize that they're eventually going to come for them. Like I, I kind of, I try to have this conversation with people is that like, if, if you're a white dude, like, have you not seen the videos? Have you not heard the rhetoric? Have you not heard their literature? Like they don't like you. This movement doesn't like you. And, it, and, and I don't use they as like a black people, brown right, people. Whatever. There's, a, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people on of all colors who support that movement who are doing it for the right reasons that right. don't realize back to my, that they're carrying yeah. the for the stronger ideology. And it, if you don't believe that and you think that I'm wrong, go look at Portland, 
Go look yeah. at Seattle. Go look at these cities where the leader of Portland was so It couldn't be more progressive. Right. Yeah. And they ultimately get consumed by that side because that's they there isn't there isn't an end game. It's it's not it's not yeah. a let's just change these things. They want to tear it all down. I mean, Ted Wheeler is not just willing to bend the knee, he's willing to bend both knees. And they still came after him. So it's just like, we're talking about a movement that's going to come for everybody. It's the guillotines. It's the French Revolution. It's, it's all of that. It's like, but I think that we've become so dumbed down as a society and, as, and, and so easy. Everyone thinks they're allowed to have an opinion, no matter how emotional it is. Like, I, 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 I like getting into it with people, you know, and, I, and I'll say, like, I saw someone talking about Trump last night or yesterday. And I was like, you realize he's condemned white supremacy all these times and Joe Biden just pretended Antifa wasn't a thing. Like, I don't see this small group that we're talking about right now showing that being the same kind of threat that I've watched play out on my Twitter feed all summer. And here you are pretending you've got some moral high ground. And then I'm like, I'm like, you're letting your emotions like dictate like how you perceive the world and your emotions are getting played with essentially. And she's like, you're being sexist because I'm a woman. And, and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just telling you how it is. Like if you, if you're madder about a group of a group, this white supremacy issue in our country, right. I, I, you know, the, the white supremacists just don't have the numbers. Like a a lot of data that's come. And this is the thing people don't understand data either. And this is the biggest issue in our country is that, Across the board, whether it's COVID, whether it's the, the, what you just discussed about um, cops and police brutality, um, you know, you could find videos. You're always going to find these videos. It's just a matter of the legacy media. Just, and that's what I've noticed over the course of the last decade is they pick a story. And I think they realize with Trayvon Martin, it's the kind of the kind of uh, vi- like the kind of vitriol and division they can create with it because it's such a complicated scenario where no one really will ever know exactly what happened. And by the way, even when you do start to figure out what happened, like with George Floyd, like with um, Jacob Blake, the story just disappears. Well, and, and we're just on to the next thing. And that's why there's never progress. Because there's never progress. Yeah, the, the, progress isn't you, the goal. You put all your focus and energy around the next new story and like these big, dramatic, sweeping things that again in a perfect world i i get it but there's like a lack of reality that there should be okay let's all come to get let's talk about what we saw let's all share our ideas openly let's see what ideas make the most sense and then how do we enact a plan that doesn't just stop in six months Let's lay out a very detailed multi-step plan that looks into the future that's wide sweeping, that's something that we can commit to, that's something we can uh, manage and monitor and uh, make sure is working for us in the future. That's not ever considered at the beginning of these things. It's all emotion driven and it fizzles out as quickly as it started, unfortunately, because there's again so much good intention behind it it's just misguided and misdirected from the very start 
Yeah, and and they're, 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 that's the key is they're preying on emotions, and like and like it, this boils it down, right? People like the movement is called a progressive movement, but they don't care about progress. Like Trump, Trump came out after George Floyd, and he made some changes. He made some announcements. He did some good stuff. I forget quite honestly exactly what he did, but I remember at the time being like, all right, cool. He's making some progress. He's, he seems to be reaching an olive branch out. He's, he's got the cops on his side, but simultaneously he's reaching. You heard about it once at his press conference. You never heard about it again because it's not really about solutions. It's about fomenting division. The first, the, the thing that would help this country, I think, is if, we're, if we want to criticize him, when he's and rightfully so you're the you're the president when he does something positive there should be overwhelming support from nancy pelosi and chuck schumer and barack obama that says this is a good thing and that that would then start the ball moving donald trump's not going to be the president forever he's going to be right hold on here's the key you can't give credit to somebody who's eventually going to come back around with the Durham investigation and all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Now, you can't ever give credit to a guy that you tried to un- you tried to un- you tried to unseat. They tried to unseat the president, and that's the story right. that's coming out now. Right, and I know you get this, but like, t- take yourself out of it, right, and and just right. put yourself in a different environment. You know, your your home family dynamic, and you're trying to persuade everybody to come together. Mm-hmm. I just, in principle, I agree with the left that our country's divided and we need to come together. I, I guess I've just am disappointed that their solution to that is more division. Because if you truly believed what you would, are saying, you wouldn't take Trump, you know, disavowing the KKK or designate what he he designated them as a hate group. A terror, like he that. designated them as a terrorist group last week, which is precisely how he should have answered the question. Right. That he, he, he should have. Right. But whether you think that that was just a, a strategic move, it may have been right. I, again, I believe Trump is a populist. I don't think that he's able to be a racist because I think he needs people of all races and colors to serve his need. And that's, that's my belief. Right. Right. But when he does something positive, even if you think that it's done from the wrong perspective, from the wrong angle, you should be applauding it because that's only going to help unify people and show that we as a country are coming together. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and say, this president is so divisive. He never wants to bring us together. And when he does do something that on paper is beneficial for the black community you need to be plan you don't want him to be successful and so you're therefore creating a lot more discontent in your community and you know he had that platinum plan right like there's like 500 billion going to black communities or something like that he's investing in black communities and um you know who knows how that'll play out you know maybe it'll be great maybe it'll just be another government thing that doesn't work out not to interrupt you, but the guy is, I go back to it. He, he's got an ego, right? He, all he wants is for people to praise him. So like, that's what I don't get, get him working, like, get him working for you. Himself. Like get him working yeah. for you. That's what I don't understand. There's, if there's ever been a president ever that I've seen, who's willing to like overly lean into something in order to make himself look good. Like how, 
like if I'm a BLM leader, I'm how do I connect with Donald Trump and meet with him and get in his ear to say, I want to partner up with you and take this to the next level. I mean, it's kind of what Kim Kardashian did. I don't yeah. think that Kim Kardashian believes or lines up with a whole lot of what Trump believes. I think that she probably thinks he's a thorn in her side because of everything that's fucking happened with her husband. But at the end of the day, she's a smart woman and she's realized that Trump wants to be loved and liked and by going and saying, Hey, Mr. President, there's this situation with, you know, um, wrongful convictions and people who are held in jail for things that, you know, are now legal. And how can we together partner up and make a win for, our, I mean, and he fucking dove right in and helped. So yep. I, to me, I'm, I'm knocking at the white house and saying, be my advocate and be my friend and let's go and spearhead this together. And then the guy's fucking gone and then continue along with the progress, but going head to head with them. I mean, you know what you're going to get, you're going to get him digging his feet in and you're going to not get any progress and we're going to have cities burning in this fucking country. So con congratulations, everybody. What do you really want? Because I, I think we're seeing what they really want though. And I think, you know, it, it's going to, it's a tough thing to get people around you, but I think we're at that point in the conversation where we've kind of set the stage for it, which is like, everything they say is really the opposite. Like, it's like you don't cause and, but it's not just that it's, it's fundamentally because they're fighting for their lives. Everyone at this point is fighting for their lives. If Trump loses to Biden, they're going to turn the, the weight of the federal government on him. So Trump is fighting for his life, life as well, because right now, whoever wins this election gets to potentially put the, I don't think anyone's going to go to jail because a past president going to jail is a big step, but they're going to harass the other one for the rest of their lives, which is a really bad precedent, but it wasn't set by Trump. It was set by Barack Obama and the Hillary. I mean, the stuff that came out the day of the debate said that there was a, there was a report that said the, that Clinton knew um, she was the one who started the Russia investigation to get heat off of her emails. And this was sometime in the summer of 2016. That just came out. We know that on January 5th and in January 2017, Obama, Biden, and Comey were all meeting and, and trying to continue to progress this fake investigation to create a cloud of suspicion over the Trump administration because people don't understand Barack Obama is a, his his mentor was a card carrying communist named Frank Marshall Davis. This, this, this these are his beliefs. Where you can, know, where can people go to find that information? Like to see that because I've heard it, and I like I just I want to look at the documents myself. I want to see what came out, where it came from. I want to understand the process and try to like weasel through it. But keep track of people like Catherine. Um, her last name begins with an H. She works for CBS. She's doing really great work. I even get, I get her, I get her tweets straight to my phone, Catherine. I mean, part of the thing is to follow Trump's uh, tweets because he'll retweet people who are just putting out the, um, the documents and things of that nature. There's a guy, I believe his name might be Adam Kaplan, who's out there on Twitter. It, the thing is, there's a lot of stuff on Twitter coming through. Tim Pool's probably going to be on top of it. I don't, um, that's one thing, like, I don't leverage Twitter at all. Twitter is where it's, I get a lot of information. Yeah, see, I, 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 I mean, I have an account. I don't think that I've tweeted in forever. I pop in a case, like I'll see something on Instagram or Facebook that's from Twitter. And then I'll go look to see if it's actually real because I've been duped 
so many yeah, times yeah, yeah. from like a screenshot of somebody's Twitter feed. That's not really their Twitter feed. So I, I do go and check and I keep my account active for that, but it's just, it was always such a negative place oh, that I is. kind of like moved away from it. And I like to just bait and fuck with people on Instagram and post different things there because you can, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. And so I, that's, it's literally been the saving grace over this whole pandemic for me is like, what can I post to trigger the fuck out of people? <laughs> see what type of assumptions they can draw up based on a photo or a video clip that's really not it truly indicative of everything maybe, but uh, you know, then I put my ear to the street and kind of try to pick up on what people are saying. And uh, just, I love, I love stirring shit up. I mean, I, I, because I'm trying to figure out my arguments for conversations like this, like my line of thinking for conversations like this or for something I'm writing, I'm always just trying to figure, I mean, I might even like, I, I like trolling. Like I like, like being like, see, like I love the whole game, like the, all the social media stuff where it's like, what are you saying? Like, what are you saying over here? And, um, but uh, with people like, there's, there's a wide variety of people that are following this story. And I think that, you know, Trump, Trump said it as like kind of the closing argument before they argued a little bit more, but his closing argument was like, you got caught. Like y'all got caught. Y'all were trying to put this Russia stuff on me. And I think people really need to come to grips with it. If they're, if they're willing to go to this Russia gate and they're willing to divide the country because they're not just dividing the country, they're dividing family, they're dividing friends because they've caught people. You, you and I both know there's certain people in our lives that seem to believe the same things that CNN believes. They might not watch CNN, but they're getting the same programming from wherever they're, whatever they're watching, right? Eddie talks about this. Eddie Bravo says, you're not watching CNN, but if you've got the same opinions as CNN, you're watching, you might as well be watching CNN. And it's just like, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, just so caught up in this and they've become so emotional. And that's key. That's the critical piece to this. They're so emotional. And I've had a conversation on 10PATX chats with Isik Mellon. He's our uh, Viking Ninja strength, strength and conditioning coach at 10th Planet. And, um, he was one of the anti-Trump guys, right? Like I was like, I'm not going to vote for him, but Isik was full anti-Trump. And he had a friend who was just like, bro, you got to, you're making a fool out of yourself with some of the stuff that you're saying, like, because it's not all like that. Like, that's just what the media is saying. And then he started to do the research and now he's like, you know, he's full on, you know, keep America great and stuff. Right. And so, but he's, he, he recognized that game that's been played and that he had been drawn into it. And we talked about it at length. It was really interesting to hear. He got drawn into the game of the emotions, right? And a lot of these people are just caught up in the emotions so much so. And that's kind of what this year has been. It's got people scared. It got people, first it got people scared. Then it got people angry. And now it's just fomenting that anger and keeping it going. And now pointing, making sure it's pointed more and more at Trump. I mean, the NBA illustrated how far people are willing to go. I mean, they, they suspended a game of playoffs. Um, you know, they, they illustrated how far they're willing to go for this cause and for, for what they're trying to promote. And, and it's just that all of that should really open up a picture of like what's going on to, to some extent, but also just, the, the, the Russia thing is really the underlying thing below all of this that it, we're all being distracted from. And the reason that they can't unite the country, the reason, I mean, 
and I think that a lot of these industries are involved in this because they have a lot at stake too, because this is the political party they threw their lot behind. And at minimum, it's the political party that believes the things they believe. I put that in air quotes as well, because I don't really know what these people believe other than money. They've kind of just created like a, we're not capitalists, but we're capitalists. How does anybody agree with what was happening in Hong Kong? But the NBA took a first answer. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a card carrying member of the NRA to think that that's wrong. Like, right. But there's I uh, I don't know, man. It's it, 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 the thing about communists is that the communist party has always been trying to foment division. And there's this 1943, a communist party directive went out that said, we're going to basically use shitty sounding words, racist and all those words to label our opponents when they become a problem for us. Once they become a problem, this is what cancel culture is all about, right? Once someone becomes a problem, we got to get rid of them somehow. We'll we'll throw a name at them, whatever. Um, You know, dude, I mean, it's, it's wild to be on the other end of one of these barrages from the cancel culture crowd and be like, dude, it's a bunch of white guys sitting alone who don't really know anybody, who don't really probably even have like... They're just white guys surrounded by white guys who talk to white guys online all day. And, and they're canceling people and throwing names. And what the Communist Party understood is that we'll also use really nice-sounding groups and anti-fascist groups to push our agenda. And we're watching it play out in the street now. And what people don't understand is that not only did Barack Obama was his mentor and the guy who was the father figure to him, a card-carrying communist, he started his political career at the home of Bernadine Dorn and uh, Bill Ayers. Two people who were a part of Weather Underground, an organization that firebombed police stations and the Pentagon. And so this is the Democratic Party. This is what they believe. They believe in the violence we're seeing play out in the streets. Well, and then there's broad things like, to your point, using a term like racist yeah. and racism, they get a huge volume of people who would never join forces under their belief structure, but who, when you make it very black and white, racist or not racist, well, I'm not a racist. So then I'm over here and I don't really understand all the other stuff that you're about, but I know that I'm not a racist. And so then I'm over here and there needs to be some, some self-confidence. Maybe it's not the right word from people to be like, well, I'm not a racist, but I also don't, believe in this. I know yeah. what I am. And you saying that I am a racist because I don't want to necessarily like hang out with you every day after school. That doesn't mean that I'm a racist. I still believe in all of that, but I don't, I'm not cool with all the other stuff, but yeah, there's no, there's a very small amount of people who are willing to do that. Well, it, it's, it's, it's part of this is why they hate Christianity right? Why the, why the movement hates Christianity. There's, there's twofold. First, if you don't have a religion, then the state becomes your religion. So the people that are in this group now, I mean, think about how little we trust, you know, an organ, a corporation or a government or whatever. I mean, we're, we're trust, but verify kind of people on that kind of stuff. Right. But first off, the state has replaced religion. They, these are people who really believe despite evidence you know they have such blind faith in the government that despite us spending trillions of dollars on issues that have never been solved and aren't even close to being solved and have only made problems worse to the point of right we talk about i i, I never fin- uh, put a button on this point earlier is that 
if we actually got past calling each other racist and we actually got to the real issues of, and this is why we can't talk about the real issues that ail the black community, because we'd eventually get to the point where we realized that there were a bunch of social programs in place that encouraged that first off, you, you might lose your housing if a man lived in the home. Like, you know, we've all heard this stuff. Like, you might get less money. You might get in, you might be incentivized to have more children uh, that you can't afford because in, incentives drive behavior. Sure. So we've kind of created this scenario, right? So first, the first point was um, they, they hate religion because the state becomes a religion. But the second is, is that Jesus stood up to the mob. Not only did he stand up to the mob, but he did it with character. He prayed for the people that were uh, that were stringing him up, right? And like as you see continuously, the people who are attacked by the mob, you hear them on they they'll go on Rogan. They're not bitter, angry, shitty people. They're like these people don't even know what they're doing. I feel bad for them. Blah blah blah. That kind of thing. And the reality of what Jesus has done is he illustrated that if you live a pure life and if you live a life where you can be confident in yourself, which is, you know, you're living the righteous life, whatever that looks like to you, um, you can stand up to the mob and be comfortable in your own skin. And I think that there's a lot of power to be gained from that story. And that I think that not enough people really recognize that story and not enough people are really living that life. Like not enough people are like in a happy marriage with happy children, uh, good job and, and so, able to feel that. I want to challenge you on something because I, okay. I, I, I agree. I agree on all that. I grew up in a very Catholic family, very Roman Catholic. It's Italian. Um, and I have these conversations regularly with my family because I don't think religions do themselves any favors. And, no. Right. So I agree that a lot of people probably hate, they hate religion for all the things that you just said. Um, when you're looking at it from the perspective of maybe some of these groups that don't want that influence in America. But right. I also think there's people that dislike religion because there's just a walking contradiction of what they become. And quite honestly, I would argue that when I look at like the Catholic church, Everything <laughs> like I have a lot of right wing family who agrees with me on everything like politically, but then when those principles get flipped onto the church, there's <laughs> an instant defensive posture that's taken up. And all the logic that I praise these individuals for in my life goes out the door, and I can't have a logical conversation with them because of their fear instilled in them through that religion. And Bro. that's why I have a hard time with religion now. I mean, I, I'm a very spiritual person. That's such a fucking cliche word, but I'm a very spiritual person. I'm very interested in knowing if we'll ever get closer in my lifetime to answers of the universe. But I, I, I have as much skepticism that we just poof and appeared from a grain of dust and, or atom splitting I mean, something had to create the first atoms. And I think we're ignorant to the exponential degrees that we could be on both sides of knowing what's there. And so I don't like being told things that I can't then question. So that's yeah. pushed me away from religion, maybe a little bit. I'm still as I'm probably more spiritual than I ever was before, because I've been able to expand my mind about what that means to me. But I want to throw that out there because I agree the concept of having a family dynamic, eating dinner 
you know, being in a loving marriage, all of the principles that I was taught that came from religion, but with the ability to separate myself from the bullshit that I can say that's bullshit, that it's the same quality in me that allows me to call bullshit on that, that allows me to call bullshit on something that I see in the political sphere or at work or just with a friend who's being a fucking idiot, right? Like, yeah. Why do we like it's And it's the fear, whether it's in politics that you're going to be canceled. So you don't speak out against all the other people in the room with you because you're afraid you're going to get canceled. But in religion, it's the fear that I'm going to go to hell. If I don't do this, I'm, I'm, and how much of that is truly what was taught early on, or has it been interpreted and hijacked by people in power to keep you tied to something or to keep you from questioning things that would ultimately maybe take you not necessarily away from the religion, but away from you giving them power. What, what's fat? Well, the Catholic church is like the, uh, is like the Jeffrey Epstein of like the, the 1990s or 2000s, right? right? Like, I mean, they're like the big story of, you know, they're the first Jeffrey, they're Jeffrey Epstein before Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you won't catch me, uh, defending the organization of religion. Right. But I'm telling you, like my point on that stuff is, is the same line of thinking of you is that I don't want to sound like a hippie or a yogi or, you know, you know, although I am both, uh, you know, right. But like, right. Like, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person too. You don't, you don't over like, right. So overcoming addiction, a lot of people get right into religion and, and, you know, I've got my own religion, uh, with the spiritual medicines, the plant medicines. Right. Um, and you know, that taught me a lot about spirituality. Right. Um, but so, but the stories, the stories are important, right? I think the stories in the Bible and I think the stories that we tell ourselves, I mean, I, I was looking at my 12 rules for life book and had a note in there is that we, we, we do not pick movies and stories with good heroes anymore. And I think that's a really important part of our pop culture is that our heroes, the heroes that we're supposed to think are our heroes, the LeBron Jameses that are put in front of us and we're told that should be your hero. That motherfucker doesn't even tip, bro. That man, when he goes, when he goes to a restaurant, he doesn't tip. Like this is widely known. No, he doesn't tip. That man is worth hundreds of millions of dollars and he doesn't tip people. That is not a hero. You know, like, I mean, we, we'd always bring up Rogan, but that's the guy who's putting out into the universe. Like, Hey man, sometimes I like to leave a hundred dollar tip and just leave it. And no, I made it like, no, I made some, someone's day because the money doesn't mean anything when I make that much money. Right. Like it, it, do, it doesn't have the same cost to me. Right. So we're putting false, and we're not just putting false heroes, right? We're not put, just putting the wrong heroes. We're idolizing them. We're putting false idols in front of it. And the story of Jesus is a great story, right? Like, there's there's great aspects of it. There's great aspects of the Bible. I look at the Bible not as a religious text, but as the first self help book that was then kind of put into. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some of it was for control, but I think there was a lot of good from these religions that brought a bunch of people into a community, just like a jujitsu school, brought them all together and had someone who could read sitting up front to a bunch of people who couldn't read. And think about you, right? Jujitsu is in a lot of ways, like a religion to people who are deep yes. into it, but you don't, you understand that there's things that your instructors and the lineage at which they came from 
had to abide by certain rules, whether it was, you know, how you wore your belt or, you know, wearing a gi. I mean, Eddie, Eddie broke that rule. And that's, I yeah. mean, dude, what a, I mean, man, that is exactly what we're talking about. Like, you have take to be the willing. principles. Yes. Take the principles of the religion. Yes. Yes. Now put your own. That's why being a part of Tenth Planet is so meaningful to me, because as I get deeper and as I get to know Eddie and as I get to know Curtis, you know my main instructor. Now we have Gabe Tuttle, Curtis Hembroff. Uh, he was our, our. He's the owner of Tenth Planet Austin. Still, he moved to Alaska to take care of family um, and take care of his tribe. Uh, his his Native American tribe, super. I mean, I'm just surrounded by very good people too, like the, the kind of men that are men. Um, so it's a, it's incredible to have that kind of community. And now we've got Gabe Tuttle and Kyle Bame, two guys who are top ten in the world at their weight. Um, so to be a part of a system and an organization that has attracted people to like Eddie attracts a certain kind of individual, and the kind of individual is like. Guys like me, man, like guys like me who are like, who are like looking into shit and in their own ways to come to 10th planet, knowing the principles of which they want to live by. And then kind of being able to create that life off of it. You know, jujitsu is kind of this vehicle that you can kind of create a, a whole life off of, you know, you hope now I've got the podcast. It's part of, it's part of why I was able to write two books at this point is because of my knowledge of the game of jujitsu and because of the complex problems I'm solving on a daily basis, right? Like I just had my first professional match. I lost in a, uh, by points against a guy I've gone against three times, but to see the growth that him and I have displayed um, on the mat since the first time we competed against each other in April, uh, 2019, you know, I sent a message to him. I'm like, dude, like we look like we belong. Like I was on defense. I, um, I had an issue with my neck too. Uh, I overcame that in the middle of it. Um, the jujitsu we displayed, my defense was beautiful. His offense was one thing to the next. I mean, it's a complex game and to watch us do it at that level, to have that fluent conversation at a fast pace on a, in a high pressure scenario like that, especially under the high pressure of being uh, my left arm went numb and I'm still, I'm still like, you know, responding to the it. pressure yeah i was in it man and i um and you know we put on a really good show and it's just to have that art that artistic that performance artistic experience with someone now three times and to do it at such a level you know that dude and i are you know we might not know each other very well but like there's a lot of respect had there and the game is built on that respect it's built on losing it's built on the process it's built on um you know just just there's so much beauty in it and there's so much thought and critical thinking in it. And Eddie is kind of the pinnacle of that. He took the gi off. Um, he, he just does things. He's so willing to do things differently. And that's why you see him on Rogan's podcast talking, you know, quote unquote crazy as people might think. But the whole point of the, the earth might be flat conversation that he has is he wants you to understand that he's willing to go to that length to get you to question everything. That's the so message he's sending. What was that? I said that's so important to point out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if he believes the earth's flat. I don't know if Curtis believes the earth's flat. But there the argument is, is that first off, one of Eddie's arguments is that here I was at my competition and, and we're in NASA country. 
right? And I, I got this, this picture of my elevator door that got NASA guys on it. And I'm like, damn, we're behind enemy lines, man, and, and, and all this 10th planet stuff. But, um, but, you know, NASA, you know, NASA's got a, an interesting history when you look at the, I, I, I forgot about that. I, I've been looking at you and I've been looking at your eyes so deeply. I forgot you had a NASA sweatshirt on spreading propaganda uh, over here. Smoke <laughs> signals. Am I, am I even allowed to say that anymore? Smoke signal? I don't know. I think Colby just got in trouble with it with ESPN. ESPN is going to try and wokeify the UFC and ruin it. But um, I don't. I think they're going to have a very tough time with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you got to question everything because the whole basis of this flat earth thing is what if we live in a simulation? What if we live in the Truman show? What if Bill Gates, right? Like, let's go crazy. Right. What if we don't listen to Bill Gates on all this vaccine stuff? And then just, we don't get to go on in the simulation because Bill Gates is the guy who actually created the simulation. That's how crazy I'm willing to get with you. Right. But like, it's just, it's, it, it's, Eddie's willing to think outside the box and it, it's created a unique community. Yeah. I'd say I have a lot of spare time on my hands, but I know that I don't. And it's what, really just bums me out about people in general that I have conversations with or try to have conversations with. And I think they think that I'm mad that I, that we disagree maybe, but it's, it's not, it's their lack of wanting to admit that even if I'm wrong, there's a strong possibility that I could be right. And that this world or existence or whatever it is that we're in is so much more than just what you see when your eyes open in the morning and then close at night or dream about. There's so much potential and possibility. And I posted something in my stories yesterday about um, black holes and how they could be like traversable wormholes to different dimensions. And like, I've started to like bring that up around family or friends and it's just, you, you almost sense this like annoyance and I used to take it so personally and I used to get like really aggressive at like trying to prove why I believe it. And it's like, I could have the perfect argument and it's not going to matter. They don't want to think about it for maybe fear or just, they don't have the capacity to think about it, but it's, that's my biggest pet peeve with people. Like just, be open. Look, maybe, if, yeah. maybe we'll have a conversation and in five minutes we'll both laugh and be like, that's fucking insane. That's absolutely yeah, yeah. insane. But I think the even more insane is to not give yourself the opportunity to have the, and they're fun. It's fun. They're fun. It's I mean, that's fun, the, man. That, that's basically 10th planet. Right. I mean, that's one of the things, there's two things that I, I thought of while you're talking right there. Right. Like, it's like, it's like that, what you're talking about that having fun, like, that's part of the 10th planet stoner culture, right? It's just like, we're sitting there and it's not just the stoner culture. It's, it's, it's once you're done rolling, once 10 round Tuesday is over and you've just rolled for 60 straight minutes, basically with, you know, 10 different people and you're sitting over there waiting to stop sweating so that you can go take a shower and move on with your day. You know, you sit there and you talk to your friends for half an hour, 45 minutes. And these are the kind of conversations we have. And that's the culture Eddie's created because of his ability to look at things differently. Right. And one of the things I recognize when I'm looking at all of the sports writers on Twitter in March, April, and May saying, you know, all the journalists saying things need to be shut down. I'm like, 
I, I know I've got my community there in Austin of 10th planet people and all of them are like, you know, just thinking from a journalistic perspective, right? I'm sitting there and I'm like, what people are saying in journalism versus what I'm hearing on the ground, what I'm hearing in my community is so much different. And I think that people to the point you were making of, of seeing the world, opening your eyes and, and realizing the world might not be what, what it seems, right? People have gotten this programming from the media. They've gotten this programming from academia and they haven't realized that that programming has only been around for X number of years. And when it comes down to it, the way that we've lived, the way that reality is, and a lot of people are super online, so they don't realize that they've contorted their reality into like this online world where they're just reading hot takes from people with blue check marks who agree with them, right? It's like, it's like the reality of the world is like we've lived in communities forever. And jujitsu, churches, it allows us to keep that strand of real community where you're seeing somebody, you're hugging them, you're saying what's up, like you're dapping them up, you're having a you didn't expect to have a 30 minute conversation with this person, but you ended up having a 30 minute conversation, right? Like all the reps I've gotten in having these kinds of conversations, like I've gotten so many reps that I felt so prepared to start podcasting and those kinds of things and start talking about this kind of stuff and make that turn from just talking about football, because this is the stuff that really drives me because like you say, it's super interesting. It is. No, it definitely is. It's, um, I think, you know, we talked about uh, social media censorship and mm -hmm. being able to go out and have conversations with wide groups of, of people. <clears throat> it's, it's interesting because I was, uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine who reached out, um, giving me some, some thoughts and ideas on different things. And, um, uh, we were just talking about like support and who supports you and how people support you or hate, you know, there's a lot of hate too. But I was like, I don't really pay attention anymore. Like, I guess I was lucky. I have, I have thick skin to an extent. And I almost, I think maybe as a defense mechanism, I did some things intentionally to enrage. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> because I just knew like, I'm not going to get support. So I'm going to just kind of do this. But what I've, what I found is like over 20 episodes, I'm generating a community that's already larger than the one that I thought was the only community that I had. Like when you grow up in a small town, you have this small group of people and that's, there's insecurities that come from that because you see everybody all the time they can impact your life because you maybe work with their son or you, you know, I mean, everybody just knows everybody. And I'm finding through this journey that I've been able to create a population, a community that's bigger than that. It's growing. It's growing. And that population's shrinking. And this new community's population is growing. And although it's kind of a bummer sometimes when, you lose relationships right. because they just boil out to be what they are. You're not confined to what that was. And that was just where I was born into where we're all born into. And the hope is that you can like accumulate a much 
as much great stuff from that community and then continue to carry it on. But I feel bad for people that aren't willing to like break away from that and try to expand upon. They'd yeah. rather surround themselves with people who don't support them, who, you know, are secretly their biggest um, shit talker behind their back because that's comforting. And if they knew that they could create a bigger, more collaborative community of people because of the technologies that were be, that have been like bestowed upon us, I think it would make us all better because it would take away the insecurities that we have. You'd be able to just be like, Oh, I don't need to give a shit what they think because I've found a community of people who do care. And that wasn't achievable before. Yeah. There's a lot of benefit to the internet. There's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of benefit to being able to, I mean, I have people, a lot of opportunities I've gotten from the internet. We wouldn't have connected. Right. Like I've got, um, you know, a lot of, you know, like you're a friend now. I've got a lot of friends from like Twitter. I've got a lot of people that remind me that the world isn't crazy, as crazy as it seems that we are on, on point. And, but there's a difficult, you know, I, you know, I have my own unique perspective on it, right? Like I had those struggles I had in my twenties that naturally cut a lot of people left my life. Right. So I'm not, I'm not used, I'm, I'm not, I'm used to, I am used to people maybe disappearing, you know, I am used to, I, in that case, at my own fault, right? But I'm also used to, because I've been outspoken about issues, and I've been super informed, like, for better or worse, like, you know, you might disagree with me, but if you disagree with me, like, you better come correct, because, like, I've been, I've been on this for a decade, like, I've been studying this, because it's been fascinating to me, because you watch it play out in your own family, right? Like my parents got divorced. I've got people in my family that, um, you know, have issues, right? Because of basically, and one of the things that I, you try to explain to some of these people is that like, you know, this ideology, like it's not what you think it is. And it's kind of twisted you into this position where you're, you know, you're seeing everything. It, it's twisted everything. Like it's like a religion. You know, it's like, it, it's gone so far because when you think about critical race theory and the underpinnings of that, now we finally put a name on what this whole movement is kind of pushing and kind of putting into people, which is like the people who disagree with you disagree with you because they want to oppress people, because they're bad people, because they're this and that. And now you're starting to see the way that it's, impacted people and i'm very thankful for what's gone on this year because it's made it and and these are the kind of the conversations that you have to have with people at times too is like is like hey i love you but like if you keep thinking like this like i it, our relationship's not going to go anywhere like because like you're looking at the world in a fundamental way that like if i was a black person and you looked at the world um the way that um you know the kkk did it would be pretty cut and dry. Like, Hey man, like I thought you loved me, you know, I'm your brother. Like, you know, we play football together, you know, I, I'm black, you're white, whatever. Like, I didn't know that you believe that kind of stuff, but that's kind of what critical race theory is. And it can be about, and a white person can believe this stuff. And I can be like, yo, like what you don't realize is the people you agree with. They want me to be unemployed. They want me to be unemployable. 
They want me to not be able to take care of the people I care about. Like, that's what you're siding with. You're not siding with good. Everybody's reality is different, man. Like, yeah. my reality is different than your reality, is different than his reality, is different than a guy in Baltimore's reality, than a guy or woman in South Dakota or in Hawaii or Southern Cal or Texas, in Northern Texas or on the border or Florida, wherever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what your experiences in life are. And I'm sure those experiences are going to make you have a whole different set of needs and desires than I'm going to have. And maybe we disagree about how those realities impact the greater good of civilization, but we need to have the conversations from a point of understanding that you have a different perspective. And I think if we can do that, it'll allow us all to find some middle ground that's there that we just don't see. Yeah. And maybe I'm optimistic, but that's my hope, man. That's, that's my no, hope for 2021. You're right. You're right. It's just, um, you know, when you, when you say it in word form, you're going to be a lot softer with the language. You're going to be a lot softer with how you say it. You're going to be a lot more forgiving maybe and stuff. And words t typed out always seem harsher, mm -hmm. right? But it's just like, you know, it, it, it is, it's difficult, right? It's, it's hard because, um, you know, there's a lot of frustration. And then when someone, you know, when someone starts off by, you know, calling you names and stuff, you're just like, really? Like, have we gotten there when I'm just sharing information with you? And that's, that's part of the issue we're having too, is that like the name calling from these, from the, you know, it's been so ingrained in people because of all of these, you know, the things we're talking about, right? It becomes so ingrained that you're just able to dismiss someone with a name it's, like a schoolyard insult it's really personal yeah yeah, you know yeah. i mean and it becomes less about <clears throat> it, it becomes less about proving your point and it becomes more about getting back at somebody who you felt took a jab at you through right. the conversation but then yeah. like the conversation becomes the ammo right and it's like you get done i mean dude i'm so guilty of this and it's the it's the number one thing i'm trying to work on like don't be so caught into my emotions and in being right that I have to cram it down somebody's throat. And right. so I'm trying to get better at listening and allowing, if I think somebody's wrong, let them talk, man. Like let them give me all of the things that I don't need to say and let it come from them. And I can then just kind of connect the dots for that maybe. And that'll be easier for them to understand my perspective or maybe I'll learn something that I didn't know and I will change my perspective and actually make the world a better place because I was the one in the wrong. I mean, that's, that's the other side of it, man. Like I can be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I yeah. probably, even things that we've talked about today, I'm probably incorrect. Maybe I'm misinformed. Maybe I don't have all the data. Maybe my experiences are different, but at the end of the day, we're all wrong if we don't take that mindset to be open to even have the dialogue right yeah for sure and that's that's part of the frustration right is that you we want to have the dialogue and too often the dialogue and the culture gets shut down and it's been shut down so and it's been people have been programmed to shut it down as well and that's that's where we meet that frustration that i think is is really driving a lot of the stuff in our culture as well yeah can't don't be you afraid know? don't be afraid people have the tough conversation yeah that's what's going to, that's what's going to, if you really want things to be better, that's what's going to make it better. Yeah. Thanks for having me again, bro. Hey, if anyone wants to uh, 
uh, I'll do the quick. Um, yeah, please do. If you want to read my second book, my second edition on how NFL champions are basically constructed through the salary cap, um, how someone should basically become a, how a general manager should manage the organization, the team, the ownership should manage the organization, um, you know, how they should spend their money to build a, a, a solid uh, team on the field, um, you know, kind of the, some of the stuff behind the scenes, how you should draft, how you should, you know, what you should be looking for in free agency and things of those nature, basically kind of a money ball for football. Um, and a historical piece as well. I give a history of the game so that you can kind of understand where the game is and where it's going. Um, you know, Christmas is coming up. So even if it's not for you, buy it for the football fan in your life. It'll be out November 17th. And that will be the second edition of my book series, Caponomics. And this one's called Caponomics, How NFL Champions Are Built and Dynasties Are Destroyed. It's available on the451project.com which is uh, my new publishing imprint that I started ever since being canceled. Uh, we named it after Fahrenheit 451. And um, so the 451project.com, uh, that'll probably be where my next book is, is as well in, in the coming months. And, um, you know, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Zach Moore, Zach, Zach with a K, Zach Moore 10P uh, for 10th Planet. And, um, dude, thank you for having me. Um, uh, anytime you'll have me on, I'm here. It's going to be uh... – going to be one of those situations where there's like episode five six seven we need to we need to build up the catalog dude i appreciate it a ton thank you for uh for hopping on here early in the morning and um looking forward to the next future conversation with you buddy later buddy